Welcome to the Recognizing Potential podcast with your host and certified relationship coach, Cameron Thompson Alaricki. This is the podcast for all things real and raw on building the healthiest, happiest marriage and parenting relationships possible. As a coach, I am on a mission to help couples divorce proof their marriages. Together, my clients and I are changing the statistic that half of marriages end in divorce by learning and more importantly, applying tools and tips on how to communicate clearly, create peace and love generously. I am happily married and we have two boys and in my spare time, you can find me reading, painting and traveling this gorgeous, incredible world. Now let's get on with the show. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Recognizing Potential. I'm so excited to kick off season four with love languages. This is one of the most important topics that I am finding is also a um, perpetual problem in relationships. When couples come to me, this is one of the first things that we go through on session one to really start speaking each other's love language. And it makes the biggest difference in marriage when you understand how to fill your partner's love tank and also what to avoid so that you're not pouring all that gas into their love tank and then just poking a hole in the bottom and letting it run out onto the ground. So that's what we're going to go through today in this podcast episode. This is one of the things that I have posted every Friday about on Instagram and in my Facebook group. Both of those are linked in the show notes if you're not a part of those communities already. But these are the posts that are getting the most value um, for people right now because this is something that we're hearing a lot about. Love languages is kind of one of those buzzwords right now. But it's so important because people are starting to realize that like, man, this is one of the reasons my spouse and I don't exactly speak the same language because we feel in different ways and we think in different ways. And this is how we are needing to get our love languages spoken. And then all of the things that are hurting us, you're not understanding that for your partner and seeing their perspective because it's only 5% of the time that we have the same love language as our partner. So it's like your partner is speaking French and you're speaking Arabic and you you guys are trying to communicate. You don't understand. And so learning each other's language and understanding what that is and how to speak that language and also, um, you know, the different idioms to, to avoid for the different cultures kind of thing. So Here we go. We are going to dive right in today and we are going to go through all five love languages. So if you are very unfamiliar with love languages, that is okay. We're going to jump right in. I feel like a lot of people have the love languages of acts of service. And if you're not sure what the, what your love languages is, what your love language is, There are five of them, like I just mentioned, and everybody has a primary and a secondary. So I'm also going to link the quiz on Dr. Gary Chapman's website. That's who actually founded the five love languages. He has a couple of books out, the five love languages um, for couples. And then also there's a love languages for kids as well. And that one's a really important read if you are a parent. because our kids have love languages. And if we're not speaking those, it leads to them feeling very unwanted and unloved as well. So it's definitely a difficult 
task to learn everybody's love language in your family. But once you really get the hang of it, um, and you can reference this podcast or reference those Instagram or Facebook posts, um, you know, however often you need to, once you get the hang of it, it's just going to flow like second nature to you. So let's jump right in. So the first one is acts of service. So this is, um, again, a very common love language, but in order to speak this love language, okay, you're going to have to do, this one's all about action and um, unspoken needs. So the first one is, these are unspoken needs are things that aren't asked of you, but need done daily. And this means a lot to someone who has the love language of acts of service. So this might include like doing the dishes or washing or folding the laundry, putting the laundry away, taking out the trash, Anything like that, that you just know needs to be done every single day without your partner having to ask you to do it. This is also going to save them time. Anything that saves your partner time when their love language is acts of service is gold to them. So acts of service is sometimes difficult because it requires time and physical effort and it takes thought and planning. So save your partner time by maybe packing their lunch for them or making the bed or ironing their clothes for them, offering to take their kids to school a couple times a week, um, anything that's going to save them time, getting the mail, um, you know, taking my, my husband's love language is acts of service and mine is not, but I know that a few things on his to-do list for the week is like, you know, returning certain items or getting things from the grocery store. And so if I can take that off of his plate, I'm filling his cup and filling his tank a little bit more full. So we're going to think of these, you know, their love tank as, you know, obviously when you're speaking all of these, you're filling their love tank all the way full. So in your marriage, you can get a lot further and you have the actual fuel and energy to sustain, you know, the little bumps in the road or even a major crisis that happens because their tank is full. They know that you love them versus when their tank is empty. They don't have any of that emotional energy to keep going and to deal with all of that. And that's where that resentment and the anger and the guilt and the shame that all builds up. Okay, so the third part of speaking acts of service is doing. And acts of service is all about doing things to show your thought of your partner. So anticipate your partner's upcoming needs and fulfill them before that need comes up, such as filling the car up with gas or organizing an area that bothers them in the house, uh, planning the vacations and the date nights, scheduling their appointments for them, Especially if your partner is really bad about, you know, those annual appointments that they need to to schedule to take care of their health. If you know that they need to do that and they have like three or four days off or, you know, blocks of time or what have you, go ahead and schedule those appointments for them. Willingly help with the chores. This is a really, really big one because one of the things that hurts the acts of service, and we'll get into this here in a second, is not wanting to or just not contributing to the chores. So when you are willingly helping out with the chores, that is filling their tank. Asking, hey, what's stressing you out? And then taking that off their plate if possible. Sometimes just asking what's stressing them out helps tremendously. And then also fulfilling those spoken requests. So like, 
if your partner's been nagging you to get a picture hung or the fence built or you and you've just been putting it off for months because you're like, man, I don't want to spend the time on this. I don't want to put in the effort. Go ahead and do that. Like make time to get that done. That is filling their tank. And each week, go through the requests that they've made of you. Have you completed those or are you putting them off? This speaks volumes with acts of service because when it's done positively and without acting like it's an inconvenience to you or like you need a reward, that's really big to them. One of the things that I see a lot in just different groups that I'm in or what have you is that women, now gentlemen, this one's for you. A lot of times what I see is that men, you'll do, not to throw you under the bus, you'll do the like a load of dishes, one load of dishes. And you'll be like, I deserve the WWE championship belt for the next year. Thank you very much. Yet your wife does these every single day. And so if this is how you act after you've done a chore that you're like, yes, I need praise. That is so irritating. And you're, that's one of the things that hurts an acts of service because it's like, listen, bruh, I do this every single day. Hey guys, real quick. If you are loving this podcast episode, give it a quick like and share it with your friends. You never know who might also benefit from the information that you're loving. Tag me in your post so that I can thank you and chat with you because I love getting to know and connect with my audience. And also leave a review. It helps the podcast grow and get in front of more people. And this helps the mission to divorce-proof marriages. And we all know somebody who could benefit from that. So thanks so much. And back to the episode. You do it once and then you act like you need a freaking reward. Like the reward that I want to give you is a punch to the face kind of situation. Not advocating by that, by the way, that's very unhealthy. However, that is kind of how they feel about it because where's my reward? I don't, I don't get that reward. So come on. Okay. So let's jump into the things that hurt those acts of service. Um, those acts of service, love languages. So creating more work for them. So when your love language partner of access service, when your partner looks around the house and they've got a gym bag in the middle of the floor and two pairs of shoes, and there's a shirt hanging over the back of the, the, the chair and the dishes that you ate out of are still sitting by the couch. This is making more work for them because they're looking around being like, oh, great. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to clean up after you. And this is kids too. teaching your kids. Hey, when you're done eating out of the yogurt container, throw the container away. Don't make your mom come back behind you. She's not your maid and house elves do not live here. So when you're teaching your kids this, that's also helping your partner as well. Not um, again, not wanting to help out with chores or just not doing it. That is definitely a tank emptier. Broken promises. This is a big one too. If your partner, if you've promised that like, hey, we're going to go out on a date night so you don't have to cook tonight. And then you're like, oh man, I forgot I had that basketball game with my friends, or I forgot I had that meeting or whatever. That's a broken promise to your partner. And now your partner has more work to do because they do have to cook dinner. And that broken promise really just gets them right in the gut. Needing to be asked to do everything. So if you look around the house, and this is a really big one with women. So if you look around the house and you're like, okay, there's laundry to be done. There's dishes in the sink. The trash is overflowing. Um, you know, there's food on the floor that needs to be cleaned up. This kind of thing. When you can look around and know that it needs done, but your partner has to ask you to do it. That's 
like taking more mental energy for them. And so that's, again, making more work for them. Therefore, it's emptying their tank. And then not pulling your weight. If your partner feels like they're having to do every single thing around the house and they feel like they're putting in 120% effort and you're putting in none, or if they're putting in 80 and you're only putting in 20, that's really, really bothersome to them. And that's where that resentment and anger comes up. So if your partner is nagging you a lot, if they're complaining a lot, if they're argumentative, if they're not giving you sex, then it's a very, there's a very good chance that their love language is not being spoken or that it's being spoken. And then again, you're poking that hole in the bottom by doing things that hurt them. And that, that energy that you've given is running out onto the ground. So it's really, really important that you look at the situation and the circumstance of why are they, you know, kind of checked out of the marriage or why are they not giving you the love and affection and attention that you need? It's probably because they're not getting that themselves. Okay. Let's go to the second one. This is words of affirmation. So words of affirmation is really, really difficult for those of you that are, you know, you've, you come from a culture that's a little bit um, less expressive in your needs or your emotions. The words of affirmation is going to be a little bit more difficult for you to learn. Um, Not impossible. It's also going to be difficult for you if this is just not the way that your family grew up. Like if you grew up in a family that was not, very affectionate and not praise, you know, they didn't give a lot of verbal praise. This one's going to be probably a little bit more difficult for you, or it's going to be one of the reasons that you felt like you weren't loved or that you didn't belong in the family of your origin because your love language wasn't ever spoken. So the ways to speak words of affirmation, this is a really big one. So sending them a text um, that's kind like, Hey, you know, thanks for all you do or, um, something like that. And be specific in that text. So letting them know that you're thinking about them. Hey, I miss you. Hey, you know, thanks for really great sex last last night. I had a lot of fun with you or, Hey, you know what? I had so much fun on our date night the other day. Thanks so much for going on that with me. Let them know what you love about them specifically, what you're proud of them for. Um, thank them for something that they did for you. Okay. Something like that. Compliments are everything to those with words of affirmation, love language. So if your partner's love language is, um, is words of affirmation, your words have a lot more power to them and they have a lot more value to your partner. So for example, um, you know, some rando can come up to them in a department store and be like, Hey, I really like your dress today great. Thanks. You know, that might give them a little bit of energy, but if you come in and be like, Hey babe, that dress looks really good on you. That is going to hold so much more weight for them. And it's going to fill their tank so much more full than if some, some rando came up and told them that they need to hear compliments and positivity out of your mouth because your opinion means so much to them. It means the absolute world to them. Even like if you're married, their mother or their father can give them a compliment and you can give them the exact same compliment. Your compliment is still going to hold more weight because you're their person. You're their lobster. You're their, you're the one that they value the most. Okay. So 
compliment, compliment, compliment. Recognize their successes. This is a really big one too. So this is big or small successes. Tell them how proud you are of them and how you knew that they could do it and celebrate them in a big way. Even, even if it's like a five pound weight loss, or if it's, you know, getting that project at work that they've been working so hard on done, or, you know, launching something new, anything like that is a really big deal to them. So make it a really big deal. Even if you feel like it's small, it's not small to them. So celebrate in a big way. And if they're working towards a goal that you know about, encourage them. Hey, babe, like I I see you putting in that effort. Wow, way to go. I'm so proud of you. You know, I know that you can do this. I'm behind you 100%, that kind of thing. Um, Brag about them in public. This is a really big one too. Post about your partner on social media. They feel like you value them more when you're posting about them on social media. Brag about them to your friends, to their friends, to their family. You know what? Oh my gosh, your son has just been so sweet lately. I'm just so grateful for him. Things like that. Your family, a lot of times, this is a whole nother subject, but a lot of times if you're the type of couple that goes to their family for everything, big, small advice, all that, your family, a lot of times only hears the negative about your partner. Well, they don't help clean up. They don't, you know, they're not affectionate. They did this, or they did that. They don't hear the good things. And so they have this skewed idea of what your partner really is when that's not always the case. So brag about them, shout to the world how much you love, adore, and have pride for and are grateful for your partner. Because at the end of the day, you probably are. Watch your complaints and never, ever criticize someone with words of affirmation, love language. Oh my goodness, I cannot express this enough. Complaints and criticisms are very different. There's a very fine line of what they are. But a complaint addresses the behavior. Meanwhile, a criticism addresses the person's character as a whole. So things like, you never take out the trash, signifies to them, hey, you're telling me I'm lazy. Whereas, hey, if you don't take out the trash, it makes me feel like there's more work for me to do. And that really bothers me. Completely different. So addressing the behavior of when you don't take out the trash versus you never take out the trash, you is, you never is, is also a blanket statement, but that signifies the criticism. So make sure that you're addressing the behavior using, using an I statement. Hey, I feel really unwanted when there isn't much thought put into gifts or when there isn't much thought put into date night versus you never plan anything. I have to do all of it. Okay. So your, your complaints, again, attacking the behavior of your spouse, make them specific and don't kitchen sink everything. Meaning like, don't, don't be like, well, you never do this and you never do that. And three, three fights ago, when you said this, or last Monday at 557, when you did this or said that, d- no, no, address one thing at a time, okay? Doing so is 
like when you, when you criticize your partner, doing that is only going to make them really emotionally flooded and it's going to lead to a bigger blow up. Okay. So watch your criticisms. Don't, don't ever criticize and limit your complaints because again, your words have a lot more value to your partner. So when you're complaining, they're taking that as shame. Um, something else is showing gratitude. Okay. When you're showing gratitude for them, that means so much to them. Hey, I really appreciate the effort that you put in today. Thanks so much for everything that you do for our family. Thanks for working so hard. You are, you know, the best husband, you're the best wife. I'm so grateful for you. These words show how much you love, appreciate, and care for your partner. Every single day, at a minimum, you need to have a five to one positive to negative ratio. Your words matter so much to your person. And honestly, happier, the, the happiest couples have a 20 to one ratio, positive to negative. So make sure that your words are loving and kind and that they show gratitude because that is what fills your partner's cup so much more full than anything else. Okay, so let's jump into what hurts the words of affirmation. Insults, mocking, name calling, this is going to be a fight style and it is a very unhealthy fight style. Or if you are in, an, in a verbally abusive or emotionally abusive relationship, this is something that makes a huge difference. And this is going to tear your partner down so much quicker if, you, if their love language is words of affirmation. So because your partner's love language is words of affirmation, again, your words have a bigger impact, negative or positive. So this is also especially true if you are in the company of others. So because they value every word that comes out of your mouth, when those words are put downs or they're making fun of them, their name calling, it literally just tears their part, their heart apart. And it takes so much longer to build that up than just a, just an apology. It's not an apology is not going to work. They're going to need action behind that apology. And it's going to take a lot of time to mend if, if it ever happens, these reverberate in their mind when you're calling them a name or you're mocking them using sarcasm, which we'll get into here in a second. If you're insulting them, this is reverberating in their mind over and over and over. So it's like you're saying it to them a thousand times instead of just one. And it's incredibly harder to forgive and even harder to forget. The second one is lies. First of all, if you are lying in a relationship, it's because you know that you shouldn't be doing whatever it is you're lying about anyways. It's immature and it just, it does not promote trust in a relationship, which is a foundational element. Lies break down that trust and intimacy. But when your partner's love languages, words of affirmation, they may forgive you, but they will never forget that lie ever. And it may take them years to trust you again, because a lie, you have to have another lie to cover up the first lie. And then another lie to cover up the first and second lie. And like, it just continues on and on and on. So honesty is the best policy here always, but here, especially. So you may be afraid of the consequences of the truth but the consequences of the lie are even worse. Be mature, tell the truth, or you risk damaging your partner and your relationship forever, honestly. 
not saying I love you. Oh my gosh, this is a big one too. So the whole, yeah, me too, or uh uh-huh, when it's not a reciprocated, I love you too, or I love you, if you are married, I'm going to assume that you love your partner. And if not, you might need a serious gut check here. So again, because your words are everything to your partner, if they say, I love you and you like grunt or give them a me too back, that's basically saying to them, well, I don't love you because that's how it's perceived. So your words used in communication, if you've listened to some of my other podcasts, I've said this multiple times, but communication is 58% body language, 35% tone and 7% words used. So if you just grunt back to them, or if you say "Mm, me too, that does not have the same effect. So not saying thank you or expressing your appreciation. Your partner needs to hear your words of appreciation and how much they mean to you. If you don't say thank you, then your partner is going to perceive that as you being ungrateful for what they did. If you don't tell them how much they mean to you, how appreciative you are, or how much you love them, then the message you're sending is that you don't appreciate them at all, or you don't love or care for them, or you are ungrateful and you're cold. So you have to express yourself using words. And again, using that full communication of your message. What is your tone signifying? What is your body language signifying? Are your arms crossed or are they open and inviting? Okay. Sarcasm is also something that really hurts a words of affirmation love language. And when used in a time where you and your partner are both joking around or like in a really safe environment where it's reciprocated, totally fine. Because a lot of times that's, you know, a way that you guys communicate and you're joking and you're, um, you know, you're having fun with it. However, if your sarcasm is used during an argument or is like an offhanded comment where you're being a jack wagon, it's just going to land wrong. And it's honestly going to cause a lot of damage to your partner. Sarcasm is actually a form of contempt. And this is something that a lot of people don't realize, but it's a way that you say, I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. I make more money than you. Um, I do more than you, that kind of thing. And so the message that you're sending your partner is that they're either stupid or they're not worthy in some way. And so uh, again, remember that tone being 35% of that message is, um, it has a greater impact than the words that you're using. 90% of arguments in marriage start because of tone, not because of content. So make sure that your tone is sending the exact same message that your words are sending. And then hearing, this is a really big one, hearing my and I over we and our and us. Okay. This again, seems so trivial, but it has the biggest impact as someone with a words of affirmation, love language, I can tell you, it makes so much of a difference when my husband is saying, well, when we do this or our goal or our children, or, you know, something like that, I feel loved. I feel like we're a team. I feel like, um, there, he is accounting for my needs and wants and feelings as, as a union, as a, as a team unit. Okay. Versus if he were to say, well, my son, um, excuse me, sir, it is my son too. Or, um, well, my goal 
oh, I'm not included in that. So it just makes me feel forgotten and not cared for and as if he's being selfish. And it means more and fills my bucket fuller when he when the thought is there. So again, the words of affirmation, words are everything that you use. So if you're just tweaking those words just a little bit, it makes a huge amount of a difference, okay? So if you're not one to express yourself much, set a timer on your phone to send a text showing love and gratitude um, so that you can remember. Google, you can even Google words of affirmation to my spouse or for my husband or for my wife. Of course, this isn't going to be as sincere or genuine, but it's going to help give you an idea of what to say to them and how to fill their bucket until you can start getting the hang of it to produce your own words. Okay. So it makes a huge, huge difference there. All right. The third love language is physical touch. And this is, um, whew, this is a big one. This, this one, a lot of people have it and it can also be triggering, especially if you have ever had any kind of trauma, uh, traumatic experience around touch, whether that be sexual or physical abuse or anything like that. So make sure you know your partner well when it comes to that. Um, physical touch can often be difficult for those who have this, for who do not have this love language. You don't enjoy it. You have no idea how to speak it. Completely understand. If you have the love languages of physical touch and your partner does not, and it's hard for them and you know that, make sure you're acknowledging the effort that your partner is putting in to hold your hand or to give you hugs or to kiss you or things like that. Um, so let's go just jump right in here on how to speak the love language as a physical touch. So holding hands is a really big one while you're driving, while you're taking a walk, while you're watching TV, um, praying together. If you're, if you pray together, just a little side note, couples who pray together have like an 11 to 12% divorce rate versus those who don't. So throwing that out, if you're complimenting them, touch their arm, touch their back, their face, anything like that. You can even hold your hand, hold hands while you're sleeping. Um, just kind of a little funny tidbit. Um, so my husband, my secondary love language is a physical touch. So my husband will touch me with his feet at night, like put his foot on my leg so that he's still touching me, but like we face opposite directions. Like we'll cuddle for a little bit, but then when we're ready to go to sleep, we're ready to go to sleep. So like, um, figure out what your partner is comfortable with and then go with it. All right. The second one is like little quick kisses and hugs. If your partner, um, so yesterday, as I'm, as I'm recording this yesterday, my husband brought my AirPods to the gym to me because I forgot them. And while I appreciated that gesture, when he was getting ready to drive off, I leaned in to give him a kiss. And it was one of those emotional bids for connection that he just completely missed. He was just worried about the people that were walking around the, the parking lot and not running over one of them. And so he just completely missed it and spaced it out. And for the rest of my workout, I just kind of felt a little bit more empty. And so 
Um, this is a really big one. So if your partner's love language is physical touch, make sure you're giving them those quick kisses and hugs goodbye. And, you know, kissing the back of their neck while they're doing the dishes or while they're, you know, folding laundry or sitting on the couch or whatever. Um, touching their arm or their cheek or wrapping your arms around their waist and hugging their back, like from behind is a really great way to show a lot of love in two seconds or less. It takes such a minute amount of time that speaks volumes to your partner. Cuddling. Um, one of the things that my partner, my husband, when we were in, when he lived in Egypt, one of the things that happened was we were talking about our love languages. And I said that physical touch was mine and that that I really like to cuddle. And he said, oh yeah, no, I am, I am not a cuddler. So, you know, that's, that's not going to happen. And it has taken him a long time. We've been married a little over five years, but the effort that he has put into that has spoken such huge, loud volumes to me because now he's like one of the biggest cuddlers in the house. And so it really makes a big difference. So if you're holding hands or cuddling while you're watching TV um, for five minutes before you go to sleep, right after you wake up, instead of reaching for your phone, you know, say good morning to your partner by giving them a hug and a kiss or cuddling with them for five minutes. Um, that's going to start your day off so much more productively than checking social media and comparing yourself to, you know, couples that you don't even give a crap about. So uh, greetings and goodbyes, really big. So greeting your partner with a hug and, and a kiss, letting them know that you're excited that they're home, always kissing them goodbye. A six second kiss builds intimacy, trust, security, and passion in a relationship. So if you are missing any of those, start kissing your partner more and always kiss me goodnight. There's all, there's a reason that that is painted on 80% of America's bedrooms. Like always kiss me goodnight. This makes such a big difference. Ask and give accordingly. So ask your partner to give you specific examples of how they feel loved. And this is for any of the love languages, not just for physical touch. Everyone is different. And giving you specific examples of things that you've done in the past or things that they would like you to do opens up the lines of communication. It gives you a better sense of getting to know your partner as an individual. And it also initiates that connection that is often missing in a lot of different uh, marriages as well. So that's a really big one. And that is how to speak the love languages of physical touch. So things that hurt the love language of physical touch, long periods of time without sex. This is a really big one for those who have touch as a love language, intimacy, physical intimacy equals connection. It equals feeling wanted and fills their love tank. So long periods without it lead to them feeling disconnected, feeling unwanted, feeling like their tank is just completely drained. So ask your partner how often they would ideally like to be intimate and then create a game plan to make that happen. Even if you have to schedule sex, I know that that sounds so cliche and it sounds like you're taking all the fun out of it, but honestly, scheduling it in, it helps you reserve the energy that you're going to need for that time. Ingenuine affection. Wow. This is a really big one too. Hugs that are barely felt. If you're like, Oh my God, I'm having to deal with those. I don't want to hug them. They feel that they feel that energy. Like they, 
get so much more out of you wrapping your arms around them of you just then rather than you just like tapping their back of like, okay, move along now. Half-hearted affection and affection that's cold or clearly not wanted, that is going to completely hurt someone with a physical touch love language. It's obvious that the energy is off and it's not wanted. So the person feels unwanted as well. And it does more damage than good, honestly. Um, If you're waiting for initiation, so if your partner is physical touch love language and they're waiting for you to, uh, if you're waiting for them to initiate that affection, it's like watching the trash overflow onto the floor and then doing nothing about it. So speaking your partner's love language means giving that affection unconditionally and without being asked. And that lack of touch, just like lack of intimacy, lack of kissing, lack of handholding, lack of hugging, this is going to hurt your partner as well. They feel, again, unwanted, unloved, depleted. Their emotional bank account is completely bankrupt, okay? So if you have a job that keeps you away for longer periods of time with your partner, like and we're talking more than a couple of days, um, pilots, I am talking to you. Because you are gone for so many days at a time, if your partner's love language is physical touch, you're going to need to speak their secondary and their third love language even heavier because they're not getting that physical touch primary love language. So this is a really, really big thing for you to overcome and to learn and perfect. Because if you don't, that is where the disconnection comes into your marriage. And that's a lot of times what's going to happen um, over time of you being gone all the time and your partner's love tank not being as full. They're going to constantly feel like they're half full and they're not going to be getting what they need. So then you're not getting what you need because they don't have the emotional energy to put into the marriage. Okay. So um, this is a really big one. The next one is rejection, rejecting sex without a specific rain check or a good reason and leaning away from your partner, rejecting a kiss or a hug that speaks volumes to your partner. And it honestly, it honestly just like completely takes half the tank away right there. It's especially damaging to your relationship because the pain from rejection is felt deeper than it would be for someone who doesn't have this love language. Um, Rejection is also big for words of affirmation. So quality time, gifts, acts of service, like when you reject that physical touch or the, or the compliments or something like that, that, that bid for connection, when you reject that for physical touch and words of affirmation, it is detrimental to your partner. Okay. Um, another one for physical touch is touching someone else. So if you are, if your partner is watching you give an associate at work or, um, you know, just a random friend that isn't super close to you, if they're watching you give the other person a hug or, touching them in some way, touching, you know, their back or something like that, especially if it's a member of the opposite sex, your partner is going to feel like you just stabbed them in the heart. So it's excruciating for them. And it communicates, honestly, a high level of disrespect that can trigger jealousy and anger, irritation, a feeling of being unwanted, unloved, 
And honestly, it, it also triggers betrayal. The exceptions are going to be like uh, family, some cultural settings, certain friends, things like that. That's the exception. But as a rule, keep this in mind when you are reaching out to touch other people. Talk to your partner about and have respect for their boundaries. Have a conversation about what they are and are not okay with. Okay. So that is physical touch. And then gifts is, um, I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, but gifts is one of the most misconstrued love languages, to be honest. Um, for the partner who receives love through gifts, it can be a handmade card or you can buy a yacht. Like it doesn't matter. The, the impact that that gift that you give to your partner is going to be the same. Okay. So the love is felt through the sentimental value of the gift, not the price tag. That's what's misconstrued here is that you think that a, a lot of people who don't have this love language, they think that gifts, love languages are like they're materialistic or they, you know, they have to have this lavish gift every 10 minutes. That's not the case at all. These partners are not gold diggers and they're not all about money. They feel love by receiving a token that says, hey, I was thinking of you when I saw this. So that being said, surprises are really, really big. Flowers, cookies, a mariachi band, having a special surprise sent to their office or their home or on a date night, planning a surprise date or a surprise trip or a spa day for them or their best friend while, you know, for them to have a best friend day. Something, you know, having, I know a friend of mine, her husband had one of her best friends that she's not seen in like five years. He planned this huge week where that friend came into town, like flew her into town, planned a bunch of activities, planned, um, you know, childcare. So she wouldn't have to worry about the kids, all these things. And that was like the biggest like expression of love ever. So that was a really big thing for her. Holidays and birthdays are really big for gifts as well. Go big for holidays and birthdays. And throughout the year, make a list of things that they say that they want and then, or things that they'd like to have as they're, you know, engaging in casual conversation and then make that happen for their birthdays and holidays. And don't be afraid to explain your thought process behind the gifts that you give for these occasions. So as they're opening this gift up, be like, hey, remember that time that we were walking in wherever, wherever, and you saw this, like, that was my thought was that you would really enjoy it. Or this isn't the exact one, but I remember that time that you said you would really enjoy this. And so I, you know, I thought that this would be somewhat similar. Don't be afraid to express that and, and explain your thought process behind it. Small things matter. So if you're tight on money, Make the small things the big things. Leave handwritten post-it notes around the house or in their car. Um, buy them a card that tells them how much that you love them. Um, pick up their favorite snack while you're getting groceries. These are all such small, minute, very inexpensive options, but they have a really big impact to your partner with a gift's love language. It's not always tangible. This is something else to remember. Think like. 1990 to 2010 era when playlists were everything and we were burning CDs, 
something like this is huge. And while it shows great thought, it's also really inexpensive. Breakfast in bed, um, warming up their towel before they get out of the shower. Um, these gifts aren't things to add clutter to your home, but they do mean a lot to your partner. And then when making a peace offering, when you've had a conflict of some sort, after you guys have had an argument, a great way to speak their love language is bringing them flowers or a card or a new shirt. Ladies, men enjoy flowers too, but rarely get them. Um, I was reading something the other day that said that for most men, the first time they ever get flowers is at their funeral. How sad is that? So giving flowers as a token of your apology and love is appreciated and usually well-received. So think about that if your partner's love language is gifts. Now, just as any other love language, things that hurt the love language of gifts is if you forget events like um, holidays or birthdays or anniversaries, or not celebrating them all at all, being like, well, you know, I'm just really not big on birthdays or, well, holidays just really weren't big in my family. Um, you better figure out how to make it big friend, because otherwise your partner is going to be forever depleted in their love language because you didn't put the effort in to make it big and, and go all out giving gifts with no meaning, um, buying gifts off of the discount rack at, you know, a, at a discount store like Ross or something like that, where part of the gift is missing when like this means it, it honestly irritates your partner because you didn't think about them. You didn't think like, well, how, like, oh, well, the half of this gift is missing. So you're basically communicating to them like, well, I didn't really care enough to get you a good gift. So here, here's something just so you have something to open kind of thing. Um, ignoring requests and hints. If they're saying like, I'd really like to have a KitchenAid mixer and you get them like a hand mixer, they're like, no, not the same thing, you know? Um, Regifting your partner's gifts. Ooh, this is a big one. So if you're, let's say your wife has the love language of gifts and she got you a gift card or a scarf or something like that and then you re-gift that, your partner's going to remember because there was a lot of thought put into that gift that they got you. So if you re-gift that and then they watch somebody else open it, oh man, that is like a dagger to the heart and showing the utmost in being ungrateful. And then not expressing gratitude for your gifts. If you don't say thank you to your partner when they've put all of this thought and effort behind it, they honestly just feel like you didn't care. So your love language might not be gifts, but them giving you a gift when, when their love language is gifts, we often speak the love language that is ours. So someone who has a gifts love language is going to like giving other people gifts because that's how they speak their love language. It's not how we receive that love language, but it is how we speak it most of the time. And so that's why it's so important to learn to speak your partner's love language because they're not always receiving the message in the same level of importance that you are giving the message, if that makes sense. 
Um, okay. So saying something negative about a gift that was given to you. So if your partner has put all this time and energy and thought into the gift that they're giving you, and then you say something negative about it, like, well, it's the wrong size or, well, that's not really the one I wanted or something like that, that it's, it's just hurtful. It just hurts your partner so much when that happens. Because it's like, well, I mean, I realize you put all this energy and effort into it, but it wasn't good enough. So it honestly just makes you look very ungrateful and rude. Um, okay, quality time. Let's jump into quality time. And this is our fifth love language. So ways to speak the love language of quality time. The first one is going to be uninterrupted time. This is really, really big to your partner. If their love language is quality time, it needs to be uninterrupted. That means no kids, no job interruptions, no phones, no distractions. Ways to do this together. Um, play board games, bake or cook together, take a drive, go for a walk or a hike, um, have dinner at your favorite restaurant or try a new place even. Dancing in your living room or is or somewhere fun, um, attending an event in your area, something like that. Concerts, movies, things like that aren't really going to count because it's not something that you can interact with uninterrupted. Number two is going to be one-on-one time. So quality time looks different for everybody, but the majority of the time, those who have this love language need it to be one-on-one and not a group. Okay, so starting a new hobby together, taking turns, planning dates, joining in in an activity that they usually do alone. Um, That is a really big one. A friend of mine, his love language is quality time and he's restoring a house. So she will go over and like help him paint a couple rooms or something like that. She is not something that she loves to do, but she's speaking that love language because she loves her partner. They need to feel prioritized. So it's not about the quantity of time, but the quality of time that you spend together. So someone with quality time as their love language needs a few minutes of focused time every single day to feel loved. They want to know that they're important to you and that they're a priority. So ask about something that they're interested in and really listen. Ask how they feel most prioritized and then make that happen. That's going to be a really big game changer in how they feel loved. Um, Using eye contact and active listening skills when you're spending that quality time together. So when you're maintaining eye contact and using active listening skills, like, yeah, okay, I hear you. Or what I hear you saying is, or the underlying message that I'm getting from you is blah, blah, blah. When you're doing that and your partner's talking and telling, you that like what they're interested in or something like that, it fills their cup. They feel like a priority when you're leaning in, when you're speaking, it shows your body language. Again, 58% of the communication message is, Hey, I'm interested in what you have to say. When you're affirming what they're saying and you're not giving advice unless they're, unless you're asked for it, these are also really big to them and giving them your best. This is huge. I've had so many couples that come to me and they're like, well, by the time the day's over, like we just don't have any energy left in the tank. So we don't have any more energy to give to each other. No, no. You have to re 
vamp your schedule for the day. So if you are at your best between 10 and 12 o'clock in the morning, that's the time that you give to your partner, whether it be a 20 minute phone call to your partner, five minute phone call, something like that. That's when you have to schedule to give your best to your partner, because that's when you have the most energy. And this is why a lot of marriages are failing, because we're giving every other thing on our to do list, our job, our hobbies, our, you know, all these things. We're giving that our best and we're giving our partner our leftovers. So when that happens, you're basically saying, well, I don't, I don't prioritize my marriage or you as my partner, as much as I do my job, my hobby, my, you know, everything else, you put everything else before your partner and it shows. And that's why your marriage is struggling. So give them your best. Everybody's schedule is packed. Every day is packed. But marriages don't run on autopilot. So if you wait till the end of your day, when you're completely spent to spend time with your spouse, they're not receiving you at your best. They're getting, again, what's left over. So schedule time for your partner when you're at your best during your day. Get creative with your schedule and your dates. Resist the urge to multitask when you're spending time with your partner. Because again, that's a distraction that your partner's saying, oh, I'm not as important as your to-do list kind of thing. Okay. Um, things that hurt the love language of quality time, again, distractions. I don't know how many other times I had to say this, allowing the kids or other people to interrupt your conversations, watching television when your partner's trying to talk to you. And the biggest one of all being on your phone, during conversations, during dinner, or while your partner is talking, it's honestly just rude. And you're saying everything on this tiny screen is way more important than you. So give your partner your full attention in order to fill their love tank. Forgetting important events and conversations. This is a really big one for your partner if their their love language is is, um, gifts or quality time. Nobody's perfect. And obviously forgetting things happens from time to time. But for getting important events, holidays, birthdays, or even like important conversations that were important to your partner speaks the message that you don't care. So if you're listening attentively when your partner is talking, that takes away the whole thing when you say, you never told me that. And your partner's like, oh my God, we've had this conversation three times in the last week. It shows that you weren't listening when your partner was talking and that you didn't care enough to actually put effort into that conversation. And it decreases the balance in your partner's love love account. So make notes, put it on the calendar, whatever you have to do to remember. Not planning date nights. This is a big one. If you are not planning date nights and your partner's love language is quality time, you're basically saying, hey, I'm going to need you to speak your own love language, but I'm going to tag along. Or if you say, hey, let's, let's do a date night Thursday night. And then Thursday morning, you come in and say, what do you want to do tonight? Nope, that is not going to fly, my friend. You are, you are going to probably get a frying pan thrown at your head. So plan the date from beginning to end. Put the date on the calendar. And then asking like what you want to do, that's not planning. So you're going to need to schedule the sitter. Put it on the calendar. Plan out what you're doing. Where are you going to eat? What are you, you know, what movie are you going to see? Or what event are you going to take part in? Okay. 
lack of concentrated effort and attention is really big too. Nothing hurts worse than your partner being engaged in something that they truly enjoy and you're supposed to be enjoying it together. And then like, like you look up and they're only half listening or they're on their phone or something like that. So if I am engaged in this activity and my partner is supposed to be engaged with me and I look up and he's on his phone or he's like, oh my God, I don't even want to be here with his body language. That makes a huge difference to me because then I'm like, he's not even having fun. He's not even in this with me. Like I'm just doing this by myself. And so you have to focus that energy and that attention. Not being invited. This is another really big one for those who have quality time as their love language. So this is kind of get to know your friends too. Are you going to the grocery store? Invite your partner to go along. Are you painting your house or building a cabinet? Ask your partner to help. Even if you don't think they're going to like the project, it's not about the project. It's about the time that you're spending together on that project. Your partner wants to be included. They want to spend time with you. They may decline the invitation, but at least you asked. That's, that's the most important part. And then individual needs. Every person with quality time as their love language is going to be needing concentrated attention but what that looks like to them is going to vary. So ask your partner, what does quality time look like to you? And then execute accordingly. So all of this to say, love languages are difficult to learn, but it takes concentrated time and practice. It takes energy. It takes thought. So learn your partner's language and then speak their love language every single day. Be aware of what hurts them and be um, cognizant of what you're doing so that the energy that you're pouring into their cup stays in their cup. And as always, if you have questions, please reach out to me at coaching at recognizingpotential.com. If you found this episode to be helpful, I would absolutely love it if you would screenshot it and share it on your social media. And if you would review the podcast, that would be even better and absolutely make my day. So thank you so much. And I will catch you again next week. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Recognizing Potential podcast. If you found the content in this episode helpful, don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review. I appreciate it so much and it would absolutely make my day if you would share this episode by taking a screenshot and sharing it on your social media. I'll leave ways to tag me in the show notes and I will talk to you next week.